0: Hello and welcome to GPTV on Tuesday, the 6th of October. My name's Philip Kingston. And I'm Gary Peer. Gary, uh, the world has got back to some semblance of normal, and when I say the world, of course, I'm referring to the real estate world. Great to be seven days into actually showing real people through real houses.
1: It's a very new experience, Phil. It seems so long ago since we could actually take someone physically into a property. Uh, with all of the, you know, the PP gear and everything else, but uh, nice to be able to show. And aren't there a lot of people around looking at properties at the moment, Phil? Some of our inspections, very busy. Well, when I say inspections,
0: of course, I mean private one-on-one inspections. A lot of people around,
1: a bit of a buzz in the market, Phil.
0: Well, Gary, uh, I showed my I showed a client through a house on Saturday, and I was so emotional, so emotional at actually physically being in a house and physically seeing another person. I went over to give them a hug, and then of course they stepped back, and I realised that was uh, that's an absolute no no. So, as excited as we might be, hugging is still off the uh, real estate agenda.
1: Well, look, Phil, it's been off uh, over a lot of different agendas. If I look at the American election now. Uh, You know, Joe Biden, known as a hugger, that's got him into a bit of trouble as well. And, of course, uh, look, the debate. Let's just talk about the presidential debate. Um, I thought that debate was inspired by GPTV. I really did, because it reminded me of when we were standing next to each other, basically abusing each other, and I think that they've just taken it to another level. And I reckon we should get some royalties for that, Phil, because I reckon that we inspired that debate. And that, there's,
0: and there's no question. There's one thing the Americans do really well is that they take something and then magnify it. Uh, because, you know, we've had a lot of feedback from GPT uh, from GPTV viewers over the years about how sometimes the level in, of intensity of discussion, they wonder whether, you know, we can still be mates at the end of it. But uh, these guys, these guys were on steroids. And uh, I think uh, Donald Trump has, uh, has shown his true colors yet again. Well, you
1: haven't called me a clown, film, and I think it was Biden that did that. Or
0: an, or an idiot.
1: Or an idiot, or, or shut up, um, which is good, which is good. We haven't, had, we haven't gone to that level yet. So uh, who would have ever thought that any two men speaking would make GPTV look like a classy show? Uh, but of, no, it wasn't an idiot. It was smart. It was don't say you're smart. Well, of course, neither of us have ever, knowing our poor grades, <laughs> neither of us have ever been accused of each other talking about being smart.
0: I no, no, no issue there. Well, look, I've got to tell you, watching the American elections uh, and the campaign, it's like watching... I'm not sure whether it's like watching a slow-motion train wreck or a train wreck on actual fast-forward. And, of but course,
1: whether you support Trump or you like him or you hate him, uh, and, you know, I, I, I have both views. I like and don't like him. But um, I tell you one thing, uh, what an irony... For him to get COVID. I mean, it's a sad thing, but what an ultimate irony of somebody that actually openly was dismissive about the, you know, the dangers of it, copping it. So, um, it, there's certainly a lot of irony in that, Phil. But, you know, we are living in a crazy world. It's like, like you say, it's like watching a movie unfold in front of us. And you wonder in the future generations, how we'll look back to this period, people will speak about it and just shake their heads and probably, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again, Phil.
0: I have a sense that history won't judge this time too kindly. But one of the interesting things, and now this is a serious comment, Gary, because if you think about it, America is still the number one superpower in the world. I mean, obviously, the Chinese are catching up pretty quickly. But they are the number one superpower in the world. And on top of it, they've always... Really been the leading uh, leading democracy in some ways in in the world. Um, the thing that I was taken by watching the debate was how gentlemanly Australian politics is yes. by comparison. You know, we ha- we have a prime ministerial debate in this country where everybody agrees on who who's going to ask the questions. They agree on who the rule, what the rules for the debate are, and then. Stupidly for Australia, they then follow the rules. So apparently that they'd spent weeks organising this debate, uh, weeks agreeing on all of the rules, and then of course Trump just comes out and goes, uh, "There are no rules. You don't bring a you don't bring a you don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight."
1: Well, I think that uh, I, I think that we saw you know probably maybe Paul Keating's time a bit of aggressive and a bit of abuse. Uh, he was pretty good at slinging it out there, but.
0: He was, but he never cut across people in the debates. Like, his his speeches were, you know, powerful and, you know, pretty full on. But, you know, in a debate, it was always... I mean, in Australia, by comparison, we are very, very decent, law-abiding citizens.
1: I think so. And you see this with Europeans as well. They come here and, of course, you know, even the body language and the confrontation and the fast, you know, the way some people in Europe speak quickly and they're very direct. And, you know, we have got that kind of English gentlemanly way about us in Australia and uh, and combine that with the relaxed beachside life, Philip. Uh, I think I like the Australian demeanour, but uh, it's very, it's very, very, uh, it, it's alien to us to see people going that hard at each other. It was like a massive testosterone. You know, I mean, you can understand teenagers, but these guys from their 70s um anyway uh
0: can you imagine what they must have been like as teenagers or trump Trump at least um but but ultimately you know coming back to australia uh we're really quite pathetic in comparison because keep in mind this country was founded by convicts
1: I know. what's wrong
0: with us we're just given
1: all all of our criminal ways away and it's even like in victoria you know we're following all of these rules and you know, people are saying, well, come on, why don't we rise up and be a bit more rebellious against some of the stuff that's going on? And people are saying, well, that's not safe. But um, you know, we celebrated Med Kelly at one time, didn't we, Phil? Yeah,
0: uh, He uh, was, was running for with- Prime Minister of this country yeah, once. He was.
1: Anyway, look, we're getting right off the track. This is a real estate show, Phil. Yep. Property. Uh, we've got some things to talk about. One of those things is to talk about the great. Art competition, Phil, a great drawing competition. We've got the winner and the uh, runner-up there to talk about shortly. But before we get to that, um, uh, and a couple of other things to talk about, I just want to talk about one of our, our wonderful uh, local inspirations, uh, a chap by the name of Gubby Lebovich and his brother, Hezy Lebovich, who have written the book Catch of the Decade, Phil. And I think uh, I want to just promote that right here on GPTV because, of course, they started Catch or Catch of the Day. Uh, an incredible, uh, really very much a rags to riches story of these brothers who took something uh, from a small web, uh, you know, kind of internet or web-based sales uh, idea to something huge. They sold out for hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, what a great story, Philip. This is catch and catch of the decade, Philip.
0: And, yeah, and Gary, um, we, were, we were lucky enough to have uh, Gubby come on and talk to our entire team uh, a couple of weeks ago and he's just so accessible you know he, and I, there's a guy that ha, has obviously made a fortune uh, but he's uh, kept his feet completely on the ground because he's just as accessible today as what he was when we first sold his first property uh, and it only seems look, well, it, it, it's it's in the last decade he's gone from uh, operating his business out of his garage uh, to a business that was so big and powerful that Westfarmers bought it out for you know a huge amount of money. So uh, he is uh, one of the local, uh, he's one of the local internet startup sensations of Australia. In fact, he was one of the first into it. So congratulations again to the Lebovich brothers. And maybe Phil, given his success, well, we can interview him
1: because we've got some interviews to do on the show. We've been promising the viewers, uh, let's get him on, Phil, because I'm sure he'll be happy to come on and spruik no his question. Uh, throw out a few uh, copies signed by him personally. Uh, Phil, just getting back to property, uh, I want to talk about a few properties that did sell last week and we also got a property of the week to promote. Uh, and then we've got some other things, including the art competition, a little bit of horsey talk, Phil, uh, and uh, also a little bit of um, getting the price right, which is important at the moment. Just quickly before we go, Phil, uh, into that sort of stuff, uh, we've sold, of course, a property uh, in Blanche Street uh, in Elsternwick, which was good, uh, two at 12 to 14, Street Phillips sold for one million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So things are still. Shout,
0: so- out, shout out to Joel Sir, who was the one that was responsible for looking after it in 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 the in the first instance. Uh, but shout out, of course, to Darren Pongold and his team. Who introduced the buyer and um, the viewers will be obviously very familiar with the fact that we do move our buyers around and we make uh, we make all properties open to all salespeople. Uh, and there's just a classic piece of teamwork where Joel's brought the property in and has started to market it, but somebody else in our organisation has brought the buyer through uh, and successfully sold it. So shout out to that team
1: amongst our other salespeople. Also, Hill Street, Bentley East, and off the plan are almost completed building. Uh, we dominate that street hill street
0: i don't know what it is but there's no hill street blues in this company phil none whatsoever gary so shout out to julian mooman and the new projects division uh, because uh, they are making great inroads into brand new property either that is being constructed or completely off the plan so well well done to them they're having some great townhouse success
1: they are indeed now philip i want to talk about this project in Glen Huntley road we've been fortunate enough in this fantastic project. I think it's number 822 Blahuntly Road. It's actually
0: 818 to Gary. So there's yep. two addresses, two, two addresses there.
1: Two addresses, and there's two properties, Philip, that are fortunately left over from this development uh, that are sold so successfully off the plan. Uh, we have two, Philip, one on the ground floor with courtyards. Uh, I'm going to show some images of it while we're talking, Phil. We've got the one downstairs, uh, which of course has got its magnificent courtyards, uh, beautiful entertaining spaces, magnificent finishes, and another one upstairs with a full-sized terrace, Terrace balcony slash terrace, which of course opens to the northern sunlight. Philip, uh, so these two apartments in this beautiful building are absolutely uh, a wonderful opportunity for somebody who might be, you know, wanting just magnificent low-maintenance live an empty nest, a young couple
0: who can't don't want a lot of land uh phil i love this project your thoughts Uh, i i think this this is a really good development uh produced by urban inc a fellow by the name of danny chiama is behind this project Uh, He's a very experienced developer and knows how to put things together really well. I think one of the standout features to this property, Gary, other than all of the obvious that, you know, the fittings are fabulous, the fixtures are fabulous, the floor plans are great, uh, but the entire development actually orientates towards the north. Uh, and, and it can't really be built out at any point because it's on Glen Huntley Road and you've got distance from the shops across the road but it all faces north so all of the northern sunshine is just hitting straight where you want it which is straight into your kitchen meals family room so whether it's the ground floor one with the courtyard garden or it's the first floor one uh, it's just a, it's just a stunning development and of course to have two trams on your doorstep to have uh, Princess Park within walking distance, the wonderful cafes of Glen Huntley Road. Uh, that is really good real estate. And
1: nice and convenient, Philip. You've got parking through the side street, straight into the basement, secure, up into the lift, uh, up uh, through the lift into your apartment. Uh, wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Uh, Phil, just want to also talk about uh, some other stuff that's going on in the world of property. Philip, we've got those offerings, we've got those, but we talked a little bit in our sales meeting yesterday about the importance of getting the price right, because Philip, There hasn't been a lot of sales. Uh, You know, what does represent a good price now for a vendor? It's an interesting concept. And I think that it's uh, never been more important to be right on the ball on price. Uh, So, you know, when you're selling something now, or if you're a vendor and you're accepting an offer, it's the right price. How do we make sure that vendors get the right price right now, Phil?
0: Well, I think it makes it easier for us as an organisation, Gary, because we make so many sales. We've got so many strong points of reference. So, you know, if you're an agency that might make five sales in a month, then it's hard to actually get a litmus test or an understanding of of what's going on in the market. But because we're across such a large territory, because we've got so much Daily, um, da- daily stats, you know, whether it be the incoming phone calls, the incoming internet inquiry, the number of hits on each of these properties, and we measure them on a daily basis. So we've got a good yardstick of, of what's happening in the market. But then, uh, you know, I think it's a matter of cross-referencing the offer that you've got uh, against the last 12 months of sales, knowing that, you know, the market started picking up in October, really, of 2019, uh, where it really peaked, probably February, March of 2020, before we went into this whole COVID unusual new market. So I think that there's many reference points. So uh, as we said in our sales meeting on Monday, it's a matter of cross-checking all of the inquiry against the price over the last 12 months and knowing that there was an October burst and a February high point or a March high point, and just measuring the the, the offer that's on the table against all of that activity makes it easier for us.
1: I think so, Phil, it's very much about resources right now. And I know that, you know, this is not just about boasting about size, but it's what it really means to a vendor because if you don't have the resources, firstly, we can't have, you know, an open for inspection on the weekend like we traditionally could. So for a lot of real estate companies and agents, uh, you know, they'd allow half an hour, that would be their weekend on Saturday, some and Sunday, uh, maybe during the week. But now, I mean, some of our guys have had 14 inspections on in a day, and that is 14, 15 minute inspections separately. Uh, so if you don't have the number of people to service your properties correctly, it's hard to be able to give vendors the opportunity to make sure that they get the right coverage, the right spread. And the right price, and of course we have a number of checks, ticks, and checks and balances built. So if somebody wants to sell something, we make sure that the numbers through have been sufficient. We make sure that we're workshopping with other, uh, with, with against other buyer interest, uh, other interest and comments from the team, and other sales, which often are undisclosed as well. But luckily, luckily, because we're making them, we're privy to them, uh, and also of course making sure we bring everybody back. So all of those things make, I suppose, a very compelling point for the vendor to know. That the price was right for it, because if the price isn't right, you shouldn't be selling.
0: And interesting, Gary. I, I mean, I look at the sales that we've made through lockdown, um, and you know, we've made a lot of sales. Obviously, not nearly as many as we we normally do in a in a in a July, August, September quarter. But we've made so many sales that we're able to see that there is a pattern to the sales, and I think the pattern to the sales is that. Uh, the prices have been maintained pretty much yeah. and I don't think any of the sales that we've made right through up until the sale in Blanche Street and, and Hill Street all of these sales are coming in at exactly what we thought we would get for them and and you know if we're guilty of anything at Gary Period Associates is that we're a very optimistic company we we tend to very rarely look at uh, at pricing from a negative standpoint, I think that we've always been aggressive around pricing. We chase the highest price, um, and I think that all of the prices that we've made right through this period have all been towards the top end of expectations.
1: No question about it, Phil. Uh, we have been very, probably even a bit surprised actually, because you know there was so much gloom and doom. We wondered whether that would filter through to what buyers. Uh, thought they should be paying, but people are paying precedent prices. They're paying prices that we got early in the year when there was a kick in the market, things were good. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens the next month or so.
0: And I think also too, um, Gary, is that most people, you know, if you, if, you, if you spend your time reading the newspapers or watching television, really what sells newspapers or, or eyeballs on television is generally bad news. So you just get a lot of bad news in the media because that, that, makes, a, that makes a story. But, but ultimately, you know, the flip side to that, you know, I was talking about this, I was having a chat with my father yesterday and he, we were talking about unemployment. Um, and he was talking about the Great Depression of the of the twenties and early thirties, where unemployment peaked, I think, at thirty percent. And then he said, as you can say when you've you know got got decades of wisdom, he said, look, you know, thirty percent of un- unemployment is horrific, but that means seven out of ten people still had a job. Um, and when you start to think in those terms, I mean, unemployment in Australia, let's call it 8%, and I'm not sure that it is, it's probably lower than that. But if we, if we call it 8%, that means eight in 100 people are without a job, but 92 in 100 people do have a job. So, you know, with due respect to those people that are suffering from being out of work. One of the things that we know, because we're across so many different buyers is that there's actually a lot of people that have been doing quite well through this pandemic. There's a lot of people that have been working their full hours, uh, business people that are in businesses that have been supplying products that are in demand. Uh, so there's, uh, it's not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of people that have done pretty well right through COVID.
1: Well, my nephew Philip, as you would know, is in the dog food business, uh, selling, manufacturing, and selling dog food. Uh, and of course, uh, it's been very popular. Phil, you know, he's been busy. It was actually on the news the other night. It's one of the businesses that have been really busy because uh, a lot of people went out and got themselves a dog. In fact, walking with my darling wife the other day through Chapel Street, there was a pet shop open. Uh, you know, so pets are still okay. Uh, dogs have got more freedom, I think, than humans at the moment in Victoria, anyway. Uh, And of course, there's plenty of dog food going out there and products. So uh, there were some businesses that are busy, not just the toilet paper manufacturers, Philip, that had that big rush, but plenty of other businesses as well. Uh, Phil, let's talk and move on a little bit about, uh, we've got some horsey talk. Um, but I think that was important, that conversation about the price is right. Uh, if you're selling right now, make sure the price is right. Get the price right. Uh, Phil, I've got two horses on Saturday running. One in the Group 2 Scalacci Steaks at Caulfield, a horse by the name... The Scalacci
0: Steaks, scalachi. Gary. Uh, What's a Scalacci steak?
1: steak? Well, it's not something you eat, Philip. It's a race. Uh, Scalacci was a great horse. Group 2 Wait for Age, Order of Command. Uh, I think with Damien Oliver, we'll be riding on that, Philip. Uh, and running in that. And uh, National Choice uh, runs in the Group 1 Guineas, Philip, which is a very, very, very exciting, prestigious, big race. If it wins that race, Philip, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to be getting out the big cigar and puffing away because that's a very, very exciting. Uh, it's a cult, Philip, so it goes up in value a lot. Uh, I've got to tell you, Phil, it's very exciting. Very exciting.
0: You know, Gary, if you've got a, if you've got two horses running this weekend, I mean, you've got to have a fairly large stable to have two runners any weekend. I would have thought. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, for the viewers that are watching, you know, there are there are some big names in racing, uh, and Gary Puris is quickly emerging as one of the big names in racing. And could you just tell me, just because I love hearing the name, the Sheikh name um, that has a lot of horses hang on a second let me give you just a bit of a build-up because I do love a business card with this name on it.
1: Sheik Hamdan Binbashi Philip. He's very very <laughs> successful with his horses uh, and you know and then. Sorry what, what was his name? Sure Hamdan Al Maktoum is one of those sheiks. Uh, I'm not sure if the best sheik with racing but uh, those blue colours of the sheik they knocked off order of command last start uh, into third place but we got no try no, to no, surpri- no surprises there. No, so I'm definitely a long way behind the sheet. I'm, I'm actually quite a lucky owner, Phil, because I don't have that many horses uh, to have one in a group one and group two. And the fact the one in the group one, I've got a very small share because it was quite an expensive horse, Phil, I don't mind saying. Uh, so I've got a small share. But if that one wins, Phil, uh, oh boy, it's a colt. It could be worth a lot of money.
0: So, you. so just so I understand a group two race is there's the group one, which is clearly the leaders' races. And then there's the group two, which is the like the egg and spoon race for horses, is it?
1: Oh, no, no, Phil, no, it's far from that. I can tell
0: or, you. Or, is it, or is it they're all in sacks? And they uh, the sack race.
1: I've got to tell you, Phil, I've been to Ararat on a Friday to see a horse run where the jockey came out with a cigarette in his mouth while the horse, okay? So I've been to the dregs of racing. This is the, this is the highs. Unfortunately, I can't go there. But... Uh, this is a very exciting national choice bill uh came third at 50 to one last start so you never know could be some chance and the big group won guineas at caulfield uh very exciting anyway let's
0: get away from horses no no just just to finish it off right you've been involved with races since you were probably what 13 and when, when my, you mother, made... my
1: mother dragged me to the tab by my ear said to the guy behind the counter he's underage don't serve him put me out by my ear and i turned around and, reached, and i said i'll see you Saturday so i was always yes, a hopeless So no, from
0: a very early age um just in terms of, of uh, do you reckon you're at break even in the money or well behind?
1: Look, I think I'm a very lucky guy, feel I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh, it is a loser's game. No, make no mistake about that. You can have a win, but to be overall a winner, no, I'm not that. I stand as a very honest losing Horse owner and punter, although Order of Command has been a great success story, Philip. Because what do you reckon
0: people, that would, would the Sheikh? What was his name again? Sheikh
1: bin Rashid Al Yes.
0: Would he be in the profits or would uh,
1: he be? Uh, she, she, uh, I think bin Rashid Al Nahaya as well, or something like that. But uh, look, I don't know if he would be. I don't know if Lloyd Williams would be Philip because he spent uh, you know many millions. He's won the course of the you know seven eight Melbourne Cups. Um, I'm not sure anybody in racing really has made money, Philip, except maybe well, maybe the Sheikers. I don't know. Uh, the Inghams, maybe. They had a very good horse or a couple of good horses. And, of course, one of the Inghams just passed away last week. Sadly, Philip. But, look, we're getting too much on horses. Let's get
0: to the great art competition. Yeah, no, I've just got to check my phone, Gary, to see whether we've got a winner. Uh, and, uh, uh,
1: this is very well planned. Look, in second place,
0: have you got the winner? Because I'll go to <laughs> second <place. laughs> haven't actually. Okay. Well, so um, I'm just. Oh, yes, I do, Gary. Um, now let's go to second, first of all, because
1: Wilma comes second. Uh, and look, I think we should put up all the images. Let's flash through all the images now, because thank you to all those people who have participated in the great drawing competition. Well, we're just showing the
0: winners' circle, Gary. Uh, no, let's show them all. Oh, let's show no, no, final. we're showing the winner's circle, so the, the okay. five or six that we narrowed it down.
1: Yeah, let, let's show the finalists. We've seen Wilma there a number of times. Good on you, Wilma. She's had a good crack showing us some beautiful art, uh, although maybe it's stuff that she have had sitting around for a long, a lot of time. But let's, you know, let's get laid is one of the great pieces that she's put in here, Phil. Uh, anyway, uh, and I like this one with the snail, with the Gary Peer logo also up on the screen right now. But, Phil, there can only be one winner. There is a second, uh, and in second place uh, with a hundred-dollar voucher to Lost Guys, enjoy it there. You could have a couple of meals for that there. Wilma, well done, Wilma, in second place uh, with your "Let's Get Laid," um, which uh, of course you can look at that in a number of different ways, but we stay away from that. Uh, the number one winner of the Great
0: Art Slash Drawing Competition Bill goes to. Well, let's uh, shout out to Bill, who has done that wonderful um, home in a boat, Gary. Yes. Uh, So he's been able to combine a whole series of things there. So it was stiff, Gary, but uh, well done to Bill. Uh, We did like that one. Of course, we loved Wilmers and all of the other people that put uh, a, 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 um, a painting or a drawing in. Well done. Thanks for getting behind it. And so that well. if we've helped you get through COVID by giving you something to do, we can be pretty proud of that too. Lots
1: well, of good jigsaw puzzles of houses now too, Phil, actually, which is interesting. Uh, yep. anyone talk about that. But um, let's, uh, so Bill is the winner. Congratulations to Bill. With the, uh, he's done a beautiful image here. Let's have one more look at it, Phil. He's got the, uh, the fantastic bathing box in a, in a boat uh, with a bottle of wine, with our logo at the back, Phil. I think maybe a bit of ego could uh, to the win uh, or the uh, judge's decision there, but well done, uh, and congratulations to Bill. Uh, Phil, that's a big wrap on GPTV. We've got horses, we've got books, we haven't, we haven't gotten to any miniseries. series We're going to stay away from that, although I hear the Bureau is very good, uh, but, Phil... Uh, Bureau is been...
0: incredible. Bureau is yeah. one of the best things that we've ever watched.
1: I'm watching Succession at the moment, Philip, which I've got to
0: say... Right up there, fascinating. But you've got to watch, Gary, you have to watch, before the presidential election, you've got to watch Hillary, which is on SBS, and you've got to watch Comey, which is the most fascinating thing you'll watch this year, uh, which is on Stan.
1: I'll see. I don't think I've ever seen a series before, like Succession, where every single character is horrible. Uh, That's quite interesting to see that.
0: the most incredible
1: show. So many horrible people in one show. Uh, I'm looking for someone good and something good to emerge. But anyway, I'm still enjoying it. Phil, that's a big wrap on GPTV. We bring you the positive news. Last week's heading, of course, was your daily dose of, or your weekly dose of positivity and optimism, Phil. I think today's got to be The Price is Right. Uh, a big wrap on GPTV. We'll see you next week as spring gathers momentum in the real estate world. I'm Gary Pierre. I'm
0: Philip Kingston. Have a fantastic week.